Jeeve Galair, folks, you're very welcome to another episode of the Ireland and Beyond podcast. And joining me today from Portugal is John Bullman. John, how are you? I'm great, Paddy. Great to see you. Great to hear your voice. All in good form. Yeah, likewise. Now, for the listeners, they might get tricked because they probably thought they were going to hear a Portuguese man talk. <laughs> but fala português um pouco, desculpe lá. I can speak a little bit of Portuguese, but uh, definitely a Cork man. And we originally met in Galway, of course. That's where I was living before I came to Portugal. Hello, folks. I would just like to inform you guys about Bobby Hook. He's a fitness and mindset trainer based out of Raglan Road in Orlando. Great Irish pub. And what he does is when he's not dancing up on stage, he coaches people. He works with people like myself you know creative types types that um, don't necessarily have access to a gym so it's really perfect for me because I don't have access to a gym and I'm a creative so he understands what it's like balancing you know work life and creativity and we've been training together now for the last three weeks I've lost 20 pounds and I couldn't recommend him enough if you're interested hit up Bobby Hook on Instagram at bobby.hook and tell him Paddy Moore sent you. He has limited spots available. It's been great. Like when I traveled to the US for some St. Patrick's Day shows, he made hit workouts for that and was able to work around that as well. So couldn't recommend him enough. Thank you, Bobby. Before I begin today's episode, I would just like to give a special thank you and recognition to Kendra. Kendra is our first and currently only $10 slash 10 euro Paddy Mion tier member over on patreon.com slash Ireland and beyond. If you join our Patreon, not only are you supporting me as someone who doesn't get any coronavirus unemployment, hasn't had a musical gig in over a year, not only will you be supporting me, but you will get early access to the audio episodes, your own RSS feed for the audio episodes, you will get video only episodes that the public do not get, and you will get stickers as well, and I also read out your name. So if you want to support me and you like the podcast, please consider joining patreon.com slash Ireland and beyond or visit Ireland and beyond podcast.com for more information. I also ask that if you can't support me financially, please consider leaving a five-star review and a nice little write-up on iTunes as well. It really helps with the metrics. Thanks, folks. And now back to this week's episode. Yeah. Where in Cork are you from exactly? From the south side of Cork. I grew up in um, Bishopstown in Cork. Okay, and then how old were you, or young, I should say, when you when you came up to Galway and started doing the music around here? Jesus, I was in Galway, let's just say I left this year gone. I was only in Galway eight years, so I'm 52, oh my God, how did that happen? Um, so yeah, what happened was I was singing away in Portugal for years, usually like a summer season, you know, the crack you do seven nights a week for maybe five or six months of the year. Yeah. And you're playing an Irish pub, one pub, playing to a lot of people, a lot of tourists, a lot of Irish, English, Scottish, Welsh, Dutch, German, everybody, everybody from all over, all over Europe mainly. And I met my wife here 20 years ago, 20 years ago this year, Michelle. And she's originally from Galway, but she had lived in London for years. So um ended up... One of the years here, we'll say, going to London. Stayed in London for a few years and gigged around London. Um, working for a mighty man called Steve Travers. He was the agent in London at the time. He was the... He's an incredible guy. He's got a book out. He's got a documentary out. He was the bass player in the Miami show band at the time of their tragedy, unfortunately. And um, Steve is a gentleman. And I used to gig for Steve in London, and then we decided, we'll say eight years ago, maybe eight and a half now, to move back to Ireland, and we moved to Galway, and we settled in Oranmore for eight years, which was incredible, and Galway's 
probably still like home, I suppose, more than anywhere to us. Yeah. Yeah, it is a, it's a charming place, all right. Like, the amount of times I've been to the States, I always end up back here in my Cullen because there's just something about it. It's like, it's like a beehive. You can't go too far away or else you have to come back, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But you brought up the Miami show band, and I have a lot of American listeners, and I have a lot of listeners in random countries like uh, Brazil and Chile and stuff. And I don't know how because I have no connections there, but I'm happy for it, so... <laughs> Um, for those who maybe don't know, and the story is a bit sketchy to myself as well, but the Miami Show Band, I believe, weren't they targeted by the RUC and uh, murdered? Yeah. Well, one were, of the members, right? Yeah, they were. I suppose they were one of the biggest show bands in the country at the time, and one of the best. And they were coming back from a gig in Northern Ireland, and they were pulled over to the side of the road, supposedly a checkpoint, but it was a, it was an ambush, really. And they were taken out of the van on the way back from the gig and they were lined up on the side of the road and they were shot. And um, Steve Steve survived and he does amazing work now. If, if anyone's interested in looking up the mighty Steve Travers, if you look up Steve Travers, the Miami Show Band, yeah, you get a lot of information on it. He's got a book out on the subject. And yeah, it was, a, it was one of just those horrific, horrific incidents that... You know, a band coming from a gig, who would have expected anything like that? You know, the innocence of it. But um, tragic story. So, yeah, if you're around the world and you're interested in anything Irish or anything music, look up the Miami Shore Band or Steve Travers, Stephen Travers, and you'll find something on that very interesting story. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a tragedy. And every Absolutely. year, well, pre-COVID times, every year or two, um, the Wolf Tones would do their New Year's Eve shows in uh, the City West Hotel in Dublin and I was fortunate enough to go now I saw Catalpa which is Brian's son Kieran. he's the that's his group um, but the night before me they had the surviving members of the Miami show band open for them so um, unfortunately I missed that but that's how I first discovered them was through Brian Warfield and his telling of that story yeah yeah mighty wolf tones as well huh and those gigs will we ever see will we ever see gigs again I don't know I don't know and I actually uh, another reason why I wanted to pick your brain is because you know Ireland right now is fairly shut down and I know there's restrictions in Portugal at the moment but you know this kind of level 5 really is more or less especially now because schools aren't open. It's the same as what we had in March, really, I find. Um, so I, I admire your courage to move to Portugal because I'd be looking at you all summer, singing away and <laughs> smiling. And uh, I was lucky enough to get away myself. But it, it, it's just unfortunate for the people that maybe, you know, are comfortable and sensible. They can't, they can't really do anything. Like, it's just lockdown, yeah. lockdown, lockdown. <clears throat> tough well, on the mind. What happened to me with Portugal is I kind of had, we'll say eight years ago, actually 10 years ago, I suppose, when I moved back to, when I moved to, when I was in London and I decided to stay in London for a couple of years. And after London, then, as I said, we moved to Galway. And I kind of shut Portugal off because the seven nights a week for five or six months was getting a bit, you know, getting a bit much. And I had done it for, I probably had done it for about 17 or 18 years. Yeah. every summer, every season. But I love that, obviously, but it does take its toll on you. And in Galway, I was so happy with the music scene in Galway when I wasn't singing. I was able to go and hear someone else singing. Yeah. And you know what? You know exactly Galway. I mean, Galway has to be one of the most incredible cities in the world for, for music and for sessions and for... You can find something in the depths of winter on the worst rainy night of the year. You can stroll down the streets of Galway or you could stroll down the streets of Galway and walk into any pub and find some great bit of crack going on. And that's what I loved about Galway. And I was really happy there. And, yeah. Um, and even if you're not in a pub, there's buskers everywhere. Every street, three meters, the there's a busker. Again, I would say Galway is probably the greatest city in the world for buskers. You could actually, I've seen people standing outside pubs with their pints because they were more interested in listening to the music on the street than in the pub. Yep. And the music in the streets of Galway was always incredible. Lovely people, fabulous buskers, fabulous music, great variety of everything. Just it, 
<coughs> excuse me, a really vibrant and happy place, you know, and it was always full of life and a great buzz about Galway always. So the music scene, but um, what happened then was I, I have friends from Cork and I know them for like about 20 years. From, they originally came to Portugal on holidays with their kids when they were young. And they always said they'd move to Portugal. So eventually, as I was leaving Portugal, they were arriving in Portugal. And um, they opened up a couple of pubs here. And the main one is in Praia de Rocha, in the Algarve, and it's called uh, the Irish Rover, which is an incredible pub. Uh, the location of the pub, overlooking the beach, it's just like, it's it's a paradise setting. like. And even from yeah. the stage, they have they have a five-piece band on there now every, <coughs> excuse me, every year. And, you know, you're standing on the stage there and you're overlooking the beach. And in the good times, of course, it was incredible. So what yeah. happened was they had another bar in a place called Alvor, which is not far away from Prade, Russia. And I had sang there before. And last year, as lockdown kind of set in in Ireland, they were saying how bad things were in Portugal as well, that it was quiet and there was only a handful of people coming around. And they were looking for music for the bar. And they said to me, are you ever going to come back? And I said, you know what? I said, I'll, I will come back. I said, I might as well come back now because there's nothing happening here. And even if I was only doing it one or two nights a week, at least I'd be able to enjoy it. Yeah. So when I, I arrived in Portugal on the, I'll never forget, it was the 4th of July and it was the first flight from Knock Airport after the airports opened up again after lockdown. And it was the first flight from Knock Airport to Faro Airport and um, 4th of July Independence Day for the Americans. Absolutely, and it was a bit like it's a bit like Independence Day for me as well because I arrived <laughs> on the fourth and on the seventh I was singing and there was there was still tourists arriving then and it was very safe in Portugal then I think Portugal's always been safe down south in the Algarve by the sea whereas up north around Lisbon and a couple of areas around the north they were hit really really hard with COVID yeah and um, so all our figures are kind of based obviously on the whole country and that area has been been pretty rough the whole time but yeah we kind of had a bit of a summer we had july august september and even though the bars weren't packed by any means and probably maybe not even 50 percent but people were pretty good we had people coming from ireland and i'd met a lot of people that i'd known from even 20 years ago that you get a lot of regular people coming back to portugal you know that would come every year and some have holiday homes here and so, of course, a lot of the older people were coming because they didn't mind about the quarantine when they got home. Yeah. And the young, younger people were finding it more difficult. But met a lot of people that were working online as well that were able to come to Portugal maybe for a month or six weeks from work <clears throat> and just stay in the apartment and work away and kind of kind of had a bit of a holiday life. And so it wasn't a normal summer, but it was, it was a bit of a summer, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it definitely... From the videos and stuff, it looked it looked um, like a great time, and I'll link them in the description for people to find yeah, them. Yeah. But you'd be running from one end of the bar. Wh which one of theirs? I think it's the one in Alvor or Algor. Yeah, the one that's it, a really it, long. Alvor. It's called Shenanigans in Alvor, yeah. And, and you were running pub. from one end of the pub <laughs> to another and singing, and oh, I'd say it's great. Well, do you know what? I think I feel. The last year, I feel like I'm always running. <laughs> I, think I'm to, I think I'm trying to outrun something that just we can't outrun, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the kind of feeling of it. Yeah, but it, it was great, and people were great. And it wasn't as bad, we'll say, numbers-wise and restriction-wise then. And we kind of got all the way up to Christmas and New Year, so the restrictions were pretty tight, like the pubs. In the summer, you were still able to sing until midnight. So we were oh, doing well. from just... 10 till midnight but the bar had to be empty by one o'clock and like the streets had to be cleared by one o'clock so and the, the the local police would would check everything they were really nice about it just doing their job yeah but they kind of would make sure that everybody there was no one hanging around the street so a very different year yeah and um when we got the christmas we actually got we got christmas eve we had a gig on christmas eve and we had a couple of sessions every Friday in December in the Irish Rover in Prade Russia. And then we had New Year's Eve, but New Year's Eve we had to be finished at half ten. So what we did, we um, we started at seven, I think it was, and we rang in the New Year from different locations around the world at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock and ten o'clock. Yeah. And 
bar empty at half ten and that was it. And there was a few people around. You'd have a lot of people that would come for the winter time as well. And they'd be long stay for like three or four months of the winter. And then as soon as New Year was over, um, with, oh, within a couple of days, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> everything went into total lockdown. And we have a curfew as well here on the weekend. So um, like Saturday and Sunday afternoon, you got to be go home by one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, so you can't Jesus. be out in the evening at all. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. And in this last lockdown now, everything is completely shut down. I mean, supermarkets and pharmacies, chemists open um, until maybe five o'clock in the afternoon and that's it. So it's been pretty rough now. It's You can see the difference. Even the beach, the beach is actually closed down. You can't make entrance to the beach. It's illegal. So it's pretty serious, yeah? Yeah. It's almost like the, the trade-off. I don't know, because I, I get frustrated with Ireland's lockdown <coughs> a lot. Like, just... You know, because I'm young and want to have a normal 20s, I guess. But I'm also not an Egypt. Like, I'm, you know, doing all the safety protocols, but still. Anyway, um, you know, Ireland, we've been in this kind of sev- steady level 5. But I know if you live within 5k and there's with a beach within 5k, you're allowed to swim there. So it seems a bit excessive because... Doesn't Absolutely. your your wife has a great Instagram? She's always posting um, stuff. It's at Sun Sea Shell and all this yeah, beautiful scenery. And <coughs> well, the you guys incredible, yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed to swim in that now anymore, or even walk the beach no. or anything. No, so since since January, like it's it's just completely changed, and it's incredible because you're walking on the street and you look down, and the the beach is there, miles and miles of glorious beach. Now the you'd see an odd person walking on it, but like yeah. you're not supposed to be down there. So the funny thing is you can go surfing, but you can't go on the beach, but you got to cross the beach to get surfing. So there's still <laughs> a lot of surfers, still a lot of guys jogging down through the sand to get out on the water on the surfboards, but nice yeah. to see. But um, yeah, it seems crazy to me that like a beach would be closed because that would be your kind of, that's your kind of oasis in your sanctuary, really, to get down to the beach and walk by the water and sea breeze coming in. I would have yeah. imagined that would be one of the healthiest places to be, to be honest. Yeah. Even all... thing about... <coughs> Sorry, go on. No, yeah, you go on there. I was just going to say another thing. When we arrived in Portugal on the 4th of July last year, um, I was shocked because Portugal was already ahead with like masks and stuff like that compared to where we were at home. Um, yeah. You actually couldn't go anywhere in Portugal without a mask. Now, once you got into a place, you could take a seat and take the mask off. And But even if you were, you know, moving around the bar, going up, you can't, you couldn't go up to the bar. They had to serve you, though. But yeah. You'd have to put your mask on just walking anywhere, even in the street. So I thought they were pretty good and they were, you know, doing as much as they could to keep things normal. But this year seems to be another story. So who knows? I actually don't know what's going to happen this year. I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen this year. Yeah, it it's rough. It like Massachusetts was the same, and it's funny because Galway now compared to Massachusetts, you'd think Massachusetts is Texas, even though they're one of the strictest states with regulations and mask wearing and stuff. But like, I remember from March until June, I never had to wear a mask anywhere until I got on the Aer Lingus flight to go over and. I, if it wasn't for me being a US citizen, I still wouldn't be allowed to go over. And what they're doing with visa holders is you have to quarantine in a different country for two weeks before you go into America, which is just crazy. So if I'm on an entry, I I don't have an entertainment visa, but if I did and I wanted to sing down in Florida or Texas or somewhere where it's pretty open right now, I'd have to quarantine in either Mexico or Canada for two weeks, then go into the States and quarantine there. So you're a month just sitting in hotels for no reason. That's that's, that's incredible. I'm sure Donald Trump... Donald Trump must have organized that one, you know, leave it in Mexico or leave it in Canada. Don't bring it here. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, or maybe you have to stay at a Trump hotel. <laughs> I didn't realize you were a US citizen, Paddy. Oh, yeah, I am. That's kind of the theme behind the show is, um, you know, well, I... I knew you had massive connection, but I, I didn't realize. 
Oh, I was born, were you born there. there? And oh, I wow. I grew up in my Cullen then since I was about five years old. And I used to go over then every summer because my mom is still she's from Chicago. But um yeah. And it's funny, like growing up I never really I always embraced the American side of me. I never really I just yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was cool to be American because all my friends did in school. But then I moved away to Boston two years ago and did a stint in high school there. And then all of a sudden, it's like I'm the most Irish person walking, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think we're all a little bit like that. I think like it's amazing, especially musicians, because having the Irish thing and just being Irish and loving Irish music and I suppose our wit and maybe our charm, a bit of that, that they love us abroad and we love to go abroad as musicians. Obviously, that's what we're, we're, we're kind of definitely some bit of travelers in our blood, if you have anything to do with music, I think, because... Somebody mentions a country to you and says there's a gig there and your eyes light up and you think, oh, my God, how am I going to how am I going to get there? Hang on. And as soon as we get there, we become when you're kind of I, I know me personally, you definitely kind of like not intentionally overdo the Irish thing, but you kind of become more proud to be Irish and more aware of your Irishness. And you tra- you kind of start to put that across. And of course, people love that. And as they love that, it makes you realise even more, Christ, how great it is in Ireland and how, how much of a fabulous country and culture and music we have and the history we have. And I think we become more aware ourselves. And then when we're aware, we're like, Jesus, Ireland is such an amazing place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we're all a bit like that. Not just musicians. I mean, anybody doing that, you know. Yeah, I met Damien Dempsey uh, two years ago, well, three years ago now, because it's 2021, in Dolan's in Limerick. And uh, you'll have to forgive my accent, but he said, uh, Ireland is like a painting. You have to step away from it to appreciate the beauty. You know what I mean? You can't that, see the woods from the trees. But, yeah, um, well, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah. And that's the reason why I started this podcast. It's called Ireland and Beyond, because... And Beyond. Um... It's not just you or me or even musicians. Like, I had this guy, the Guinness guru, who uh, he's become kind of famous for his TikTok videos. And he goes to different pubs in every town and rates the pint of Guinness a score out of 10. And um, he went to New Zealand for a year and it was the same thing with him. I guess we're all kind of like in Ireland, we're the caterpillars and then we go abroad and then we become butterflies or something. I don't know. Well, I I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that. And I think, I suppose, I'm sure everybody from every country feels the same, but I know being Irish when you go abroad, it kind of almost like gives you a little bit of a boost. You walk a bit taller, you feel a bit prouder, you look back and you think, yeah, Jesus, I do come from something special, that kind of a feeling. And it's, it's quite funny, you just mentioned the Guinness Guru, because it's... It's not even a week ago when I was talking to the bosses of the bar, Martin and Geraldine, and the, the Guinness guru came up in conversation, and he had been in the bar here in Prey the Russia, the Irish Rover, a couple of years back, and they didn't know him. He just had his Guinness and and ended up, came up on YouTube or whatever he was doing at the time, and it gave them a great review, and their Guinness a great review. And <laughs> we were just talking about that within the last week, about maybe five days ago. I know you just mentioned him, and I think it's quite funny because it was the first I had heard of him then. Yeah, well, he's on the week before you, so <laughs> it'll be a double hitter. <laughs> you can listen to him and then yourself. I'll have to watch it. I'll definitely have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and I am listening to stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's great. It sounds like, you know, I didn't realise he was so big, and so it, it's amazing. It's fabulous. Yeah. What do you find yourself doing now with the um, with the current <laughs> restrictions and everything? You find yourself picking up the guitar more or anything? Or? Absolutely, picking up the guitar more, yeah. Um, the funny thing is, what happened with me was when I was in Galway, a neighbour of mine in Ormore, who was a piano teacher, knocked on my door one day, this is about two and a half years ago, um, yeah, two and a half years ago, and said, um, look, you play the guitar, and my son wants to learn the guitar, is there any chance you'd give him guitar lessons? And I said, well... Okay, go on, send him down there someday. And so he came down for a couple of days and within two weeks she was ringing me saying, oh, there's a friend of mine and her son wants to learn the guitar. And so I kind of started doing lessons 
without realizing that I was actually starting it. Yeah. I started giving lessons to a couple of kids, and before I knew it, I was also working in Paul's music shop there in, in Galway in the Four Corners, um, uh, just part-time doing a couple of days a week. So I ended up doing lessons a couple of days a week after kids finished school and stuff. And funny, when all this happened, then it finished. We'll say last March when we went into lockdown, gigs were gone, lessons were gone, everything was gone. And one of the mothers rang me, who was a yoga teacher, and she said... Um, Oh, my son is really missing the lessons in the last few weeks. And would you not think of doing them online? And I said, well, Jesus, I'm not sure. How is that even going to work? And, you know, whatever. So yeah. she, kind of, she kind of filled me in a bit on it and took him online and took another couple online. So I've still managed to have a couple of kids' lessons now. And I'm still doing a few lessons a couple of days. Two days a week, I do a few lessons. And it's actually kept me kind of sane. Yeah, you know, I'd imagine so. It's, but it's been amazing. But a funny thing is, what I was going to say about that is like a friend of mine had wanted to start, a guy in Cork, a musician, had talked about starting up lessons when everything happened. And it was very difficult. But I suppose it was a little bit easier for me because I had been giving them lessons face to face. So I knew them. Yeah. And it kind of transferred over very easy, which I didn't expect. And it, it's turned out great because the kids are great. They're keeping me sane. And it's great to see them still keeping up their practice. They have time for ukulele and guitar. And they're actually, some of them are taking it, you know, a lot more serious now because it's a bit of escape for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's great, yeah. So I'm doing a little bit of that, playing the guitar a bit more. We've got our dog here with us, a little dog, Pixie. And I walk Pixie quite a lot. And we're kind of just waiting now. On the, on the 14th of February, actually, um, what is it, Valentine's Day, they're going to have a review of the situation here, so things might ease a little bit here, but we're not sure yet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I tell you, I don't know if the Portuguese are anything like uh, Neffet, but it seems that whenever we have a review, it means there's bad news coming, and whenever there's yeah. good news, they don't they don't tell you about the review. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I think you're getting you ready when they say there's going to be a review. Okay. Buckle up, here we go. Yeah, this six is more what's weeks. Happen. Yeah, and it's it's like that. And of course now, with the way things are for travel restrictions, I mean, last year when I came out here <clears throat> and when people were coming on holidays, it they were able to fly. I I have to say I've seen lots of stuff on the internet complaining about Ryanair, but to me, Ryanair were incredible when we came out on Ryanair. <clears throat> The plane wasn't that busy, but Jesus, they were great looking after people and, you know, they had no fuss about how many bags you were bringing or what the weight was or, and they were really nice on the plane. And But I think people were able to travel then, but looking the way things are now, I suppose none of us are travelling and I'm not sure. I think the situation with travel is, I don't know if it's worth it travelling anymore, is it? Yeah, well, I'd be of the opinion because I was lucky enough Obviously, when I, when I took my first flight back in June, I was fierce worried. And then I realized there was only eight people on the plane, a 300-seater plane, only eight people on it. So right now yeah. is probably, in terms of minimizing your risk, if the yeah. whole thing is not getting in contact with anyone that has the virus, right now is probably the safest time to be traveling. But I guess the problem <coughs> is the destination cities. So if I'm, like, obviously, if my flight to, I don't know, Texas only has four people on the flight, then yeah, that's a pretty safe flight. But then I end up in Texas and, you know, they're all Wild West out there. That's a little different. But um, it's it's really strict now. And even like I was able to go over and visit my girlfriend for like 10 days, or I think it was. Um, and before then, like it was just the quarantines and get tests. Now there's a new rule brought in that if you're coming back in Ireland, you need a negative test. And if you're going into the States, you need a negative test as well. Whereas before it was, you could get the test after you land. Now you have to have the test before you go. Before. So it's going to be uh, quite tricky, especially over there because you have to pay for them. It's not like here where it's free. Um, so yeah, it's, I think the Are next the time I leave Ireland, I'll be gone and not coming back for a while. I'd say at least until yeah. this is over, but I th yeah, I think I didn't realize the tests in Ireland were free. No, that's fantastic. 
Yeah, well, the the nasal one. But the yeah. thing is, it's kind of weird the way they do it. Now, I've not had one in Ireland. I've only ever had them in the US because when I... When I come back here, I just quarantine for two weeks anyway because yeah. it seems we're always in lockdown. But um, yeah. if you have no symptoms, you have to get two tests. You'll get the first test, they'll give you the result, and then two weeks later, they'll give you another test just to make sure you absolutely don't have it. But if you do have sem- symptoms and you come up negative, then you only need just the one test. So I don't, I mean, I kind of see the logic there, but at the same time, I don't, but I don't make the rules. Yeah, so. I think it's. I think that's the problem. It's pretty. It's pretty tough, like to even work out what the actual rules are. That's half the battle. I think a lot of people are. I suppose. I don't think the rules are quite clear, even on travel at the moment. I don't know yeah. what you can do and what you can't do, and you know. Of course, I know it's better not to travel. But sometimes, like when you're in a place, like when you're in the States or you've got connections in the States, your girlfriend's in the States. I mean, you're not going to lock down for a year without see. Like, you, you got to live your life as well. We've gone, literally, we genuinely have one life. And the yeah. last year has been like wiped out of that. You might as well say, forget the last year. That's yeah. the year that we've lost and that we're not going to get back. And who knows what this year is going to be. But of course, we have to abide by the rules and, and do the best we can. But I think that, like, most people are, are, are pretty aware of that. And I think people, you know, are, are genuinely doing the best they can. And yeah. people, when one, one of the things I hear is when I see on social media, people complaining about other people and, you know, tearing everybody with the one brush or all the young people done this and all the young people done that. And I keep saying to people, like, well, you know, when you're 20 years of age, you can't think like a 50-year-old. And you shouldn't think like a 50-year-old when you're 20 years of age. Yeah. You've got to be 20 when you're 20. You've got to be 50 when you're 50. And, that, and that's the reality of life. Yeah. And, you know, young people are always going to act like young people because when older people were young, they did the same. They were young people too. Like, and you've got to be young when you're young. So it's like, it's, you know, you just can't change that. So there's no point kind of criticizing. I think most people do their best. I remember yeah. a time back in Ireland when there was a lockdown and they were blaming students for everything. And I, I felt so bad because I thought, like, Jesus, students are just being students. But they were still doing as much as they could yeah. and trying to have a little bit of a life, which is what life is all about at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. True. Like, this, I mean, it seems a, a little cliche to say, but, like, you know, if you're not living or if you're not partaking in the actual events that we call life are you really living at all like you might as well be dead if you're doing nothing you know so it's it's tough and what really bothers me is like i would have a good few friends that i went to school with in boston for that two-year stint when i was over there and like i said about massachusetts uh seeming like texas compared to here you know they're still allowed to go next door they don't have as strict rules as we do and all the same even though you have to pay for tests over there there you get the test result the next day and this is for the pcr up the nose it's not the finger prick one and there's more of them whereas here it's it just seems like i don't know i i'd nearly be convinced that they're trying to keep us locked down for eternity the way it's so disorganized and they've had almost a year now to get their stick together which is frustrating but i see all my friends going out on social media they all went out for the super bowl last night and i'm here in ireland just drinking uh, yeah. whiskey on the rocks just like yeah, i don't yeah. know it's rough but uh the podcast keeps me busy enough and i'm i'm happy to hear people that aren't um i'm just happy to know that once university's over with and i can get out that you know the world is still kind of going on normal or some yeah. bit of it you know but it's it's definitely tough yeah like. well it's definitely tough on everybody and <clears throat> i think more so on families with elderly relatives in homes and hospitals and stuff where they couldn't visit them or couldn't see them. And I mean, I find for me, the biggest tragedy of the whole thing is like anybody who had an elderly relative, a mother or a father or a grandmother, grandfather in a home that was on, on the verge of passing away and not being able to spend some time with their family in their last few hours or last few days to me is, I, I kind of feel that's criminal to be honest, you know, 
Yeah. I can't imagine somebody able to stop somebody from seeing their mother before she goes. Like to me, that's that was one of the things that really struck home with me about about the whole thing. That like this is you know that that's total control. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Or I, I don't I don't know what's going on to be honest. Yeah. But I do I do both. think like you know you gotta you gotta give people some bit of leeway here. Like when it comes to family, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing I've, I've seen on social media recently is that they reckon that Michal Martin is probably going to go to America for Paddy's Day. I tell you, if that happens, I'm go- I'll am go. i walk to fucking Dublin Airport and protest because it's totally not fair. You know, we have to have our life on Zoom. You know, they're telling people this is going to be vulgar now. But, yeah. you know, they're telling people, oh, have you know, Skype sex and all this kind of stuff and yeah, sorry yeah. to be vulgar. Yeah, but yeah. meanwhile, oh, he can go fly over with his bowl of shamrock like... F- F off. Well, That's just... <laughs> I actually believe that, and this is only my own personal opinion, but I actually believe that if he flies to America with a bowl of shamrock and comes back to Ireland again, I think that man's actions single-handedly will set everything back 12 months because I would not blame people after he does that to go and do what they like after that. Yeah. Oh, it'll be just like the water charges again, but yeah. all the same. I think. I think will. Go on, sorry. I think from like just general Facebook comments and stuff that I'd say the politicians have a good pulse. That if if he does it, that we might go a bit cracked. So I don't yeah. see it happening. But if they do, oh stop! It's like a yeah. pure insult, especially over the last year of everyone just trying the sense of all oh, we're in it together, and then. You know, yeah, yeah. Why can't I go with my bowl of shamrock? You know, yeah, exactly. And maybe, maybe if their their reasoning is that Ireland needs to be represented in America, maybe the government should kind of pull together and organise a special St Patrick's Day TV broadcast of some proper Irish music and Irish art and poetry, and and beam that into America for us. Maybe that would be a help. Yeah, that's it, because that's what we're doing. Like, how many live streams have you had to do this year where there's four people watching or whatever and there's no clap, but it's not the same at all as being in there in person. So it's completely hypocritical of them, to be honest. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see what will happen. Yeah. Who knows? By the time this is out, it'll be well after St. Patrick's Day. So maybe (laughs) this is all just a, a pipe dream or something. But yeah. Well, what we should do is, uh, like, maybe we should make two comments now. One comment if he does go, and we make another comment if he doesn't go, praising him. And you can edit it for St. Patrick's Day, and we'll have the right, we'll have the right comment in time for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the whole world is crazy at the moment, and I think everybody is doing their best. I think everybody is, you know, trying to hold things together and keep their chin up and keep a positive attitude. I know that's what I'm trying to do and everybody I know is trying to do that. And I kind of feel like that, yeah, we have to do that and we still have to do it and we just keep going as long as we can keep going. But there has to be some end in sight. Yeah. Or there has to be some, there has to be something to look forward to for people. Yeah. At the end of all this, you know, there's got to be something because, I mean, there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of businesses never going to open again. There's a lot of people probably not going to have a job again after a certain time mm-hmm. um I, I i don't know you know it's going to be it's going to be tough times ahead after all of this it's not going to be an overnight fix for everything you know yeah it's uh it's kind of like body weight you will put it back on as quickly as as you lose it although kind of the inverse but what i'm uh trying to say is you know we've spent the last year just kind of given little bits of life support to businesses but how is that going to shape up when the economy kind of opens up under normal circumstances? A lot of those businesses just won't be able to compete. And the technological... I, I'm i becoming more and more of a Luddite in that I, I think we've peaked with technology and I think more and more newer technologies are actually regressing humanity. I think we got to a certain point where technology brought us closer together. Now... It's just going beyond yeah. anything that I would... Pushing people away from it, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I I feel a little bit of that when I, I suppose even though I have an Instagram, but I would I would have been a Facebook. My age group anyway would have been a Facebook person, and um, I've always had that kind of love hate relationship with Facebook. I've tried to pack it up a few times, and I had a music page on there that I deleted, and you just go through phases of like like you said, when it's good, it's very good, but when it's bad, it definitely pushes you away from it, and. I suppose the way people are now, one of my biggest, one of the one of the biggest. I can't say hate because I don't use the word hate very often, probably never. But one of the things that I don't like about Facebook is the way people are commenting and turning on each other, and everyone's got a like. It's fine to have an opinion, but don't ram it on somebody else's throat. Like if you've got one opinion that differs from somebody else's, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But like. People are getting pretty nasty on there with their comments to people that you know that that make us do something that they have to do, and oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Or, like as an example, for example, there was a guy here recently, an English guy, and I know him on Facebook, and he went on the beach about maybe ten days ago, and now the same guy was just on his own. He was walking, and he went down steps that were open walked onto yeah. the beach and took took a walk on the beach and took a photograph of nobody on the beach and just put it on Facebook and said, you know, oh my God, nobody on the beach. It's like the end of the world, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And the only, the only, and he was actually ch- just making nice little comment. Mm-hmm. And the amount, every comment after that was like, you know, you shouldn't be on the beach. You can't go on the beach. How dare you? You're causing all this if it wasn't for you. And you're like, Jesus, <laughs> you know, there was no understanding at all or no no empathy for anybody doing anything. Yeah, well, you know? the irony there is, like, how many people that commented that wanted to be on the beach themselves? You know what I mean? Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and you're surprised because sometimes you see someone who makes a comment about one thing and then you see another day they're doing something totally different, which is almost the opposite to what they were commenting about. You know, their, their, own, their own actions, they don't consider their own actions to be equal to other people's actions sometimes. But, you know, and, and everybody has a way of dealing with things. Like, I know, I know if somebody is suffering, you know, with mental health, a walk on the beach is a pretty good remedy for a lot of stuff. And you never know why people have to do things sometimes. But, you know, you've got to try and see it from the other person's side too. Yeah, there's a great man from Dublin. His name's uh, Dean Scurry. He's from... The north side, Ballymun, so he's got that pure, the pure kind of Dublin accent, you know what I mean? And uh, he swims every day in Port Marnock Beach. And I did a, I did like a charity music video for them because they wanted to put a sewage plant in the beach in Dublin. And he was kind of one of the spearheads of that group. And But he was saying um, that there'll be a lot of people that'll come to him that are very low in life and maybe want to end their own life and so what he'll do is in sort of like a baptism fashion he'll take their hand or he'll take their heads in his hands push them under water until they start gasping for air bring them back up and he'll say no off you go now you're you're gonna do it go off finish the job yourself and in that moment in the sea they get that spark of life back in them again and it just does a complete 180 you know, another thing he does is he'll have people that are maybe anxious or not comfortable or just not not feeling themselves in their own skin. He'll have them go down underwater, yell everything underneath the sea that's bothering them, come back up and they realize that no one's looking. And what that's all about is, you know, a lot of people have their own problems and yeah, they're not really yeah. going to notice all the negative things that you've seen yourself. So I think the yeah. sea is a powerful thing. Absolutely. Um, I, I I agree with that. I've always felt that. And from the time I grew up, um, like from the time being a kid, all the time I grew up, I, I heard that thing when I was young, you know, I have respect for the sea. And I, I sound like an old person now because <laughs> it kind of it kind of stuck with me. And I kind of like, there's something that definitely very spiritual about the ocean. Even the sound of it or just the calming, just visually the calming effect that it has on you. Yeah. It's it's incredible, like, and definitely walking by the beach anywhere, out in Connemara there, anywhere, just strolling along by the beach, I think there's no better feeling. It's it's a very, 
definitely calm and free feeling than you know than you get from more places. It's incredible. Definitely yeah. has healing powers anyway. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things that like. Um, my girlfriend now, not to dig on her, but she grew up in uh, in Massachusetts and we actually met because she studied in Cape Cod for a bit, but now she's back in the States doing her master's. Did I say Cape Cod? I meant to say UL. Uh, she studied in I, UL for I was, a bit. I was wondering there when you said Cape Cod, I was like, <laughs> That's in America. <laughs> she studied in UL for a bit. So I used to, believe it or not, it was cheaper to get a student train ticket to Limerick than it was to get the student bus ticket to my house from Galway City. So uh, just uh, uh, one penny less, though. Anyway, uh, you know, she'd always go to these beaches in Cape Cod growing up. And I'm like, in Ireland, we don't have all these nice beaches. So people just swim in whatever they can get in. You know, yeah. it just goes to show that even if you're in a place now, unless there's sewage in it or oil spills or whatever, chances are you probably can swim in it and it'll do you the world of good. That said, Absolutely. I don't swim often either. So I don't want to, you know, I do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I definitely think even the ocean, if you can get to the ocean and I, I have a dip in it, you don't have to be the greatest swimmer. Have a dip in it, clear the head. You know, have an old splash around. It'll certainly wake you up when it's cold, but it gives you a bit of a new lease of life. And it's definitely something positive. And, um, yeah, it's definitely a calming effect on everything. It is, yeah. Yeah, the irony of Irish people as well, especially of, like, my dad's generation, um, a lot of them don't know how to swim. Like, all my dad's siblings, they barely know how to swim in a pool, never mind a beach. And so I would say for that, if you're scared of water and water fears you every day just walk along the shore and every day move in about an inch closer in towards the water until you can actually get in the water and then still keep walking in and then eventually you'll get comfortable because there's no sense diving head first if you're yeah. deathly afraid of it you know but um Absolutely. yeah yeah well they've got the swimmers there in galway um out in salt hill but a diving board is an incredible man. He's a school. He's the principal of a school in Galway, Joe Connelly, and he's an incredible swimmer, and he does loads of work. And they do actually. They've got some great stuff on Facebook and Instagram at the moment. With their, they kind of feature a different swimmer every day. People that go out and swim there every day, all year round, regardless of the weather. Yeah. And they're very. They would be very safety conscious, but they're incredible, incredible bunch of people. I didn't know more where we were. They'd go out to Renville there and off the pier and there's a regular group of swimmers there. And um, they're all incredible. Just just to connect with the water, I suppose. And, you know, it's something. It's something. If it works for you, it works for you. Yeah. When you were living in Galway, I think on your Instagram, didn't you used to go swimming at like early, early <laughs> in the morning in Kingfisher? Um, yeah. In uh, Actually, it was in... Um, Oh, yeah. What's it called there by the Ian Ormore? It wasn't the Kingfisher. It was Club Vita oh, in Ormore, okay. in the hotel there. And we got into this routine. My wife is big into exercise. Yeah. Got into it a few years ago, and she's kind of like an exercise fanatic now. And um, she loves it. Yeah. And she was going to the gym there, and I was going swimming, because I like swimming. I'm not, I'm not an amazing swimmer, but... I could probably do my 40, 50 lengths every morning, you know. Now, I, I, I don't mean without stopping. I'd have to stop a couple of times, but that would <laughs> yeah. be my target, like. But, um, so we got into this thing. They were open at 6 in the morning, so we used to get up at 5.30 and be there for 6. And at quarter past 7, we were home. All exercise done. And I have to say, for me, the swimming, and for her, the gym as well, I'd say that... I never felt so good. Absolutely, you'd feel amazing. Now, when I say we did it every day, we did it pretty much every day. Obviously, Sunday mornings were out because we'd have our Saturday <laughs> nights just like anybody else. Yeah, We're not like, uh, we, uh, when I say she's big into fitness, we're not superhuman. We live a normal life as well and we enjoy a drink and a bit of crack and there are late nights as well. But that was our kind of, a, a, a good part of our routine and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Yeah. But, um, and it was, yeah, I think the morning was, it was, the start was hard to get up at half five. 
But for some reason, after a couple of months of doing it, you actually wouldn't want to miss it. Because yeah. they said, like, we were home at quarter past seven, ten past quarter past seven. Our daughter was just getting up to get ready for school. She was in secondary school. She's in college now. She's actually in college in Cork now. This is our first year. And um, so we were back. She was getting up. We'd have breakfast together. My wife would go to work. I might go to the music shop or get organized for the lessons. But, Jesus, it was it was an incredible routine. But very strict and hard to keep, obviously. But... It was it was worth it, I suppose. A lot of people can do that, and yeah, um, yeah I just love it. And it, it's something that I I definitely want to get back to. I don't think anybody's probably going to do stuff like that at the moment because of the fact that you can't go anywhere. But it's so difficult to kind of keep a routine at the moment. You think you'd have more time, and it should be easier to keep a routine. But I think it's harder to keep a routine at the moment. Yeah, there's something there's some expression that like from. Um from order comes comes freedom or something like there's a kind of a false sense of having a lot of free time from doing nothing but in actuality it's when you're doing a bunch of stuff that you appreciate the free time more and since the since probably i'd say for a good three weeks now i've been lifting weights and i've never liked it at all I was always this kind of person that was, what's the point of picking something up and putting it down and picking it up and putting it down? And <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's a point. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I can sink them fairly fast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, a good one. I actually saw, just to go on a tangent, I saw in Tafts there was a guy doing push-ups and he, he went down on maybe his like fifth rep and got a pint into his mouth. And then as he was com- pushing himself back up, he sunk the point then. <laughs> but the first two weeks, I hated it. I mean, I hated it because I'm good at like, I'm good at watching what I eat and stuff and I could do intermittent fasting, no problem. And I find it easy to do it like that. The first, I've been intermittent fasting on and off for the last two years now. And the first day of the first time I ever did it was rough. But after that, it's fine. And um, so I'm able to watch what I eat and stuff and I can go on long walks like I could do I could walk around here for you know six miles and take two hours doesn't matter but something about mentally just lifting weights didn't appeal to me at all so for the first two weeks it was rough but then after the habit you see because I had the habit formed then after two weeks now if I miss a day I actually, it's like brushing my teeth or something. I think I'm forgetting something. So now yeah. I'm actually able to go in and I start to finally enjoy it for once, you know, but... Well, it's incredible because you said a couple of things there that really struck a chord with me. And um, one is that, um, about the lifting of the weights, because <clears throat> originally I had tried to go to the gym with my wife and tried a few things. And I like running. I don't mind running. I'm not yeah. great at that either, but I'll give it a go. Yeah, exactly. And... And I love what I've always loved walking. Like you, I could walk for hours. I, I wouldn't care. And um, I tried the weight thing and the, the gym thing. And one day after, you know, or one day we were going, she said, you know, go, do a little bit and go for a swim after that. So I went for a swim and I loved being in the water. I yeah. just loved it. So I said, you know what? I'll try the swimming for a while. And I just kind of got into it and it worked out really well because she was going anyway and I was there. So it was our, our hour was done in the morning, as I said, early. And mm-hmm. another thing you said was about the, the freedom thing, because I would have spent a lot of my life. Um, one second, there, no. I would have spent a lot of my life um, believing that I, I genuinely believe that I hated routine when I was younger because routine would steal away from me and I wouldn't have the freedom to do what I wanted and blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny you said it there about giving you the freedom because when I mastered the routine of going swimming every morning, it gave me an incredible routine to get stuff done for the day. And actually it was the routine stuff that I was doing as what my freedom, it was the stuff I needed the freedom to do. Yeah. If that makes any sense. But it was the actual, I just got to get over here because this needs to be plugged in. But um, you know, yeah, it. it's incredible because you can you can see things from all different sides, you know. Yeah. And even too, like, I think it's important um, that habit you built of obviously getting up early is a pain. But once you have the exercise done for the rest of the day, it encourages you to be more healthy 
as the day goes on. Absolutely. It's kind of incredible because I suppose doing anything, as I said, like, I mean, I'm not the greatest exerciser in the world and I wasn't the greatest routine person, but definitely if you can set your mornings up to do something first thing and get that little bit of exercise, no matter what it is, I mean, you know, I know people are not superhuman. And when people normally tell you to exercise in the morning, they've got grand notions of doing a bloody marathon every morning or whatever. But if you can set your morning up to get your exercise done first thing, it definitely gives you an energy boost for the day. And if you can continue, it helps to continue that routine to achieve little goals that you need to achieve in, in other stuff, not exercise yeah. at all. It could be completely different, but it's a massive help. I found it a massive help anyway, definitely. Yeah. And uh, we should also say that you're not going to feel those benefits immediately. Now, depending on your, uh, I suppose, your body composition and your hormones and stuff, you might. But for me, it took a good two or three weeks of consistency and building the habit before I actually noticed that I was enjoying it, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And at some point, at some point, it becomes a habit. And at some point, you actually realize you're enjoying it. And then if you can just keep up the habit, it's incredible. Yeah, but once you have the habit and once you start enjoying it, I don't think, I think you're indestructible then. Because I'm sure even Absolutely. though it's been a while since you were doing that routine, I'm sure every morning you're like, fuck, I want to go swimming again. You know what I mean? Uh, you know something? Every day that goes by, since, I suppose, definitely since our last lockdown here started in January, started January, every day that goes by now, I keep thinking, if I could just go back to that routine, it would be so much better. Yeah. yeah. So much better. And, and at the moment, there's nowhere to swim. The sea was the option, but that's even kind of not of... I'm sure I could sneak down there and... <laughs> Just get a just get a, you know, a a bodyboard instead of a surfboard or something, and say you didn't you know go. the difference. You don't know what a surfboard is down in Cork. That's a Claremans there game. You go. <laughs> that's for sure. Jesus, yeah. Well, that's what we're kind of looking forward to. Do you know what? I suppose actually, I didn't know what to expect from the podcast and stuff like that. But but it turned out to be quite a serious conversation, which is which is really funny because most of the time I'm not a serious person at all. I'm all for the crack and having a laugh and messing around and and lightheartedness. And I suppose at a time like this now, we do need more of that. If I watch anything on Netflix or on whatever I'm watching, I, I try to watch stuff that's lighthearted in comedies more than anything, though. And when yeah. I listen to stuff, I try to listen to lighthearted stuff, not taking things so seriously. And I suppose we all probably need a little bit of that because... At the moment, life is too serious all around us that we definitely need to lift the load a little bit off people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I do have a habit of bringing sort of different sides out of people. I don't know, I just... I'm one of these extreme, put myself in the other person's shoes. But uh, I do I do genuinely hope, and I have been kind of seeing results that, you know, conversations like this is what, what people enjoy. And part of it too is just my own curiosity I think all that it is to this podcast is me being curious and then maybe other people are equally as curious because people might know who John Bullman is or heard any of our songs on Spotify, but still yeah. they might really like our conversation and help, they might even sign up for guitar lessons or something, you know what I mean? So that's kind of the idea you know behind what it. Was, what is actually quite brilliant about it is I was kind of, I was I never prepare for anything like this anyway. I just kind of say we'll go with the flow. That's me but as well. I probably... <laughs> I probably had expected it to be like totally music conversation and we've talked about practically everything else yeah. <laughs> under the sun apart from it, which is fine, which is fine. Absolutely fine. It's lovely to have. Do you know something, I suppose, you, you hit some nail on the head there as well. Most people who know me, it's, it's really, I'm not just the only person like this. Lots of people are. I've kind of got, like everybody has two sides, but most people either know me from the singing side and playing music are the opposite side, not singing and like going swimming and doing stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, I know we all have that, but it's really funny because you tell some people like, oh yeah, I play the guitar as well. And they're like, what? I never knew you played the guitar. And you're like, Jesus, I've done that all my life. 
<laughs> then when I meet people, even when I came back here this year, most people that I met that I hadn't seen for the eight years that I wasn't here, that I met from years ago, when I saw them again this year on holiday, or people working here, the first thing they said to me was, Christ, you were going swimming every morning at six o'clock. How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it was like they were in shock with that, you know. Yeah, life is a strange one at the moment for everybody. Definitely. Yeah. Have you any, um, I guess in rapping, have you anything that you're kind of looking forward to at the moment? Or? Do you know something? I'm looking forward to everything at the moment because everything's been taken away from us in a kind of a way. And we came out here, like our daughter's in college in Cork, so we can see her. Obviously, internet and stuff is great for that, but it's a different yeah. world. We can see family and friends at home. In Galway, my wife's mother is 95, and like we would have had spent a lot of time with her, and we're only here a few months as it is now. My wife's only here a little while, but like you'd you miss people so much. People yes. that, of course, they're family, so you love them automatically. You love them. Like, Jesus, you wouldn't realise how much you miss them. And I know at home... It's the same for all of you at home in lockdown. But for some reason, even though we might be in the same lockdown at home, it's because we're abroad, it feels more, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I Well, I kind of had the opposite effect over in Boston because I could still go to the pub and everything. But I'd imagine if I was in the same kind of level five situation, it'd be far worse because, you know, you're, you're away from home and the one thing that you want is that sense of... Yeah belonging you know yeah I, I think that's it for everybody for everybody but I suppose like yeah I suppose all we can do is hang on in and hope for better days and hopefully I, I know things are getting better numbers wise but like definitely I suppose at this stage most people have the fear in the back of their minds that like hang on is this ever going to go away mm-hmm yeah but like I think no matter what happens with this, at some point down the road, we're going to have to start living our lives again, whether it's there or it isn't there. Yeah, yeah. And I think because we'll all... we Continue there. Oh, sorry. Go on, go on. I was just going to say, maybe we'll all have a big laugh and think, you know, what was it uh, that we spent yeah. a year in our houses for? Because even after the Spanish flu, which was the most recent kind of plague before this one, Life went back to normal, and the evidence of that is all of our livelihood before coronavirus came. So I think those days will come. But what I was saying earlier about uh, technology and stuff was, you know, I don't really like this idea of a drone taking the job of a postal worker. I don't like the idea of um, all these <laughs> Deliveroo apps and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's really upsetting because at the end of the day, the big businesses are going to make all the money in that and us little guys Absolutely. Sure, it'll be rough but uh, we, we got to remember for some people for some people I mean I'd, I'd be friendly to everybody anyway when I open the door postman whatever but like for some people the postman might be the only person they're going to see all day yeah you know what I mean so like a little bit how are you Mary how are you Johnny there's the post hope you're well that's that's contact with human you know what I mean? That, and, and our human nature is contact with other humans, whether we, whether we like it or not. It's yeah. a part of our being, and we're we're lost without it. We're lost without it. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, uh, we, tough. we we need each other at the end of the day. Everybody need each other. We need everybody in our lives, even the people that like. Okay, they are not our friends, or this is not that. But like, it, and a simple thing like being Irish, and you'll appreciate this. I'll, I'll finish. It. Might be yapping now with this one, but living in <laughs> London, living in Portugal, you've been in America. I, I sang in America years ago, just once as well. But like, no matter where we go in the world, the Irish instinct is like, oh yeah, hello, oh yeah, walking down the street to every second person. And everybody needs that. Even the people that don't answer you back, it's still good to say hello or how are you to them because acknowledging them as another human being at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that's, that's it. We all need to be acknowledged and, and acknowledge each other. Right? You know what I mean? And hopefully people will be a bit more sympathetic towards people when when we get through this a little bit more and have a bit more empathy for people, you know? 
Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to uh, to leave it. So uh, thanks for coming on. Brilliant. I appreciate I it. it. I enjoyed it. And what I'm going to do now, I'm going to I'm going to spend the next week or ten days listening through to all the other podcasts that you've already done because <laughs> I've only listened to snippets of them and I'm going to listen to them. And I'm going to finish by saying, because you mentioned something when we started about you had some followers and fans in South America. And we're going to say buenas noches and gracias to all our friends in South America. Yeah. Brilliant. That's the way to do it. Stop That's it there. That's the way to do it.